Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, who's just up here and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, just so you all know, we have guests that come every single weekend and every single service. And so some of you who've been here for like three years or, you know, as long as we've been open, you're like, why do you say that every weekend? Uh, it's because there's a new person every weekend. And if you were new, you would want to be greeted, right? Like you would want to actually say, hey, like, at least let me know that uh, I exist. So, hey, if you are a guest with us, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why I said, you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So hopefully you come back and we could be your spiritual family. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review, do something in the comments to actually let us know you're there. Believe it or not, it helps us get through some of those social media algorithms. I'm just so excited that all of the, we have so many people watch online and every weekend we get to meet someone who's been watching you for a month. And so I feel like I already come to the church. And so we kind of have an online presence, but we're so glad that you're in here. And if you're watching online, you got to come into church. You gotta, I'm telling you, you got to get here. It's awesome. And it's like really nice people. And, you know, it's really cool to just, you know, kind of be preached at, at least, you know, to your face. So just make sure you come in. It's going to be awesome. Today, we are continuing a series called Miracles. Everybody say miracles. And, uh, you know, the reason we're doing that is, is because man, the, if you look at the Bible and you look at the life of Jesus, um, he did so many miracles. As a matter of fact, he did 34 distinct miracles uh, throughout the New Testament or the Gospels, what we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you can see 34 different ones. And he did them um, for, for a particular reason. In fact, well, you, can find out, you can find out why he did them in the definition of miracles that I gave you last week. So if you were taking notes, I wrote this down. If you didn't, you should write this down. But it's miracle was when God interrupts, right, or intervenes in situations to point to himself. So God wants to bless us and he does miracles on our behalf, but really it's it's designed to point back to who he is and the amazing person that God is. And 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 sometimes God will see a situation and you know God created all the rules because he started life and sometimes he's he's got the right, you know what I'm saying, to change the rules. And so every once in a while he'll come in and change the rules of the game. It's like y'all ever said like to your kids, don't drink out of the milk carton, but when they're not around, come on, y'all know what happens. You y'all change the rules a little bit, don't you? Right? And you just step in and you make a little miracle happen on your behalf. But every once in a while, God will do that for you and do that for me. And it all points back to who he is because God, well, he's amazing. And so today we're going to look at another miracle that Jesus performed, and it's going to be found in John. John is uh, one of the New Testament gospels. And so if you don't know anything about the Bible, you know, the Bible's broken up into two main parts. Old Testament is the first part. New Testament is the second part. And in the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So John is a, a gospel or a life of Jesus. We're going to be John chapter number two. So just go to that fourth book in the New Testament. And then we're going to be right in the front, John chapter number two. And we're going to look at the first miracle recorded that Jesus ever performed. So like you all think like the first is important, right? We want to look at the first thing that he does, like whenever kind of he kind of he kind of shows off a little bit that he's God. And uh, and so we, we get to read about it today. John chapter two. Last week, we talked about the multiplication miracle, which is the idea of the uh, of the five loaves and two fish, where there was a little boy who had a lunchable and he decided Jesus said, I'm going to use that to feed 5000 plus. And we, you got to go back and let I mean, if you know, if you want faith, this whole series is about building your faith because some of us in here have lost a little bit of faith. How many of y'all, in the last 20 months, some of us have lost a little bit of faith. What we thought was going to happen didn't happen. You ask God to intervene and come on, you, he, some, he didn't. And so sometimes in those moments, you, you feel like your faith, you had faith to start out with, but then you lost it. We're going to, this series is about building your faith. Everybody say faith. We're, we're going to believe God for some of the impossible. So John chapter two is where we're going to be. This is Jesus uh, invited into a specific situation. I think this is so, to me, this is the coolest thing about Jesus. Okay. I just, this is one of my favorite stories of all time that, that, that I read about. So John chapter two and in verse one, it says the next day there was a wedding. Never say wedding. 
Yeah, he's about to party. Wedding celebration in the village of Cana and Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And when your mom's there, well, that's important. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities because that's what happens at parties. You know, people just be drinking too much. And so Jesus' mother told him, he said, they have no more wine, Jesus. This is, this is tragedy. Because in that time, this was, this was taboo. This was not a good thing. I mean, you run out of, like, you know, drinks nowadays, that's not good. But back then in that culture, that's kind of like, ta- you just, you don't do that. Especially at a wedding. Because typically weddings were not just one moment at a time. There were multiple days. So he ran out of wine. Jesus' reply, well, dear woman. Now, that is not like, like license for you teenagers to be talking to your mama like that all right so like just this is cultural you know this is more like uh like like you know milady kind of like okay let's just talk about it like that so dear woman that's not our problem jesus replied he said my time has not yet come his mother told his servants do whatever he tells you standing nearby there were stick six stones of six stone water jars used for jewish ceremonial washing and each could hold 20 or 30 gallons Jesus told the servants, well, fill the jars with water. When the jars have been filled, he said, now dip some out and take to the master's ceremony. So the servants followed his instructions and did what Jesus asked. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and he said, look, a host always serves the best wine first. He said, but then everyone had a lot to drink. He brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. He said this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and the disciples believed in him. That's an interesting statement at the end. His disciples believed in him. And there's something that happens when you have a miracle. Isn't it true? Like when something miraculous happens in your life, all of a sudden you just have faith that God is who he said he was. I can do what he said he can do. With that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, today you're going to teach us all a lesson, God. I pray that you would give me the wisdom through your word to preach. And that, God, I would be different. And I would be changed. My heart would be open. My mind would be clear. And, Lord, that we would just be, man, just uniquely changed by your word and by your son's testimony of his life. We just pray that right now in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Have anybody... um, Anybody ever babysit a kid before? Raise your hand. Babysit a kid. Y'all babysit. Not your kid. That's not babysitting. That's parenting. <laughs> but you babysit a kid. That's what my wife told me the other day. I was watching my kids. She goes, she left me with the boys. And I said, well, I guess I'll just babysit. She goes, no, you're a dad, Aaron. That's your kid. You're a parent. But if you babysit a kid, it's typically not your kid. And, uh, and you, you, you don't know the, 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 the isms of the kid, because every kid has isms. You know, they're, they're just, some of them are happy all the time, and some of them are, you know, mad all the time, or some of them are angry or cranky. And depending on the age, you have to uniquely adjust. Well, when my wife and I, before we got married, we were dating at the time, and I think we, we might even have been engaged. And my pastor at the time had just had a brand new uh, baby girl. She, she just, he just had a brand new baby, and... And uh, they had wanted to go on a date, and so I had volunteered my my then fiance and I to come over, and we would watch this sweet little, you know, seven pound, eight ounce, sweet tiny little baby. And I thought it's just a baby, 
it's not that hard. Again, I had not been married yet. I had not had my own kids. I got quite honest with you. I'd never watched a child in my life. This was the first time that I was going to babysit a kid. And I said, Pastor, don't worry. I got this. No worries. Just go. Have a good time. So we went over to the house. And of course, his wife had given us a long list of what to do and how to do things. And I said, we got this. I've seen it on TV. It's no big deal. So she left, he left, they took off, and the moment the mom left, y'all know what happened, the baby started crying. And I thought, if you just pick up the baby, the baby would stop crying. What I didn't realize is that babies don't do what you want them to do. They don't speak English. Uh, they don't respond to certain things. You know, I'm not, they, sometimes they work, rocking works is what I, every television show, show tells you that if you rock the baby, the baby stopped you know, screaming. That didn't work. You know, I tried to feed the baby. We tried to you know, make sure the baby was happy, was warm, was changed. You, know, you just go through all the things like, oh, come on, little baby, little, come on, y'all just got to stop screaming. Well, two hours of screaming started going on, right? And so by the two, second hour, I was like, well, you know, maybe we just never have kids ever. Just never. We just never have kids. You know, you go from like, maybe we'll have five to have three to have one to now we don't have any children. Let's not even get married. This is ridiculous. And so I'm sitting there, I'm holding the baby, and I, I look up to God multiple times throughout the night, and I said, God, if, you know, I did the, you know, y'all do this, right? Yeah, I'm not the only person who has silly conversations with God, where you make bargains with him, you know, where you're in front of Macy's, and you're like, can't find a parking spot, Lock and Tara, and you're like, come on, God, if you really just give me a parking spot right now, I serve you forever, you know, you stuff like that, right? So I'm sitting there with holding this baby throughout the night, I'm just, God, please, I will serve you, I will be a good, I was working in ministry, I'm like, I'll be a pastor, I'll give you my life, just, can you just shut this baby up just one time please and he, she's screaming and my face started to dwindle I'm not gonna lie to you my face I said there is no God by two hours you think there is no God because there's a baby screaming so I'm like oh, well okay I'm just kind of sitting there and then so my wife goes look just let's just take her up to her room we'll sit in her favorite rocking chair and then she said she said you know well I'll sing to her a little bit because my wife can sing and then I'll and then you rock her in the rocking chair I said well you know, I, I've already lost my mind at this point, so anything is good. So I walk upstairs, no lie, get in the chair, sit down. My wife's starting to sing. The baby's screaming so much. And it, I, I couldn't, I, I looked up to heaven. And I don't, all I said, I just remember, if I'm lying, I'm dying, this is what happened. I looked up to heaven, I said, Jesus. That's all I said. I said, Jesus. And, and, and the baby stopped crying. Like, I'm not even kidding you. All I said was Jesus. And the baby stopped crying. And I, at that point, now I'm stuck because I didn't want to move, you know? So I looked at my wife and I was like, uh, what did I do? And she stopped crying. And she went to bed. And I kind of did the, what all parents do when the baby is sleeping. I, you know, you just you start to move like... And you gent, you know what I mean? You like, and then there's this one moment where you have to commit and you have to let them go, right? When you put them into the crib and you're like, your hand's still there. And so you're just like, what's well, now or never? And you just pull it out really quick. <laughs> and then like, then they start to stir a little bit. And then you know what you do? You run and you close the door, quick, right? So like I learned for the first time how to put a baby down. But I remember thinking like in that moment, I needed a miracle. And throughout the night, it felt like God didn't exist because he didn't answer it. And then... Finally, when the baby did quiet down, after I said, Jesus, I felt like there is a God, and he's amazing, and he's more than enough. I started quoting all the scriptures, you know? I'm like, Jesus is good, you know? I can follow him. And, and I was thinking about, like, that's the tendency of all of us when it comes to miracles, is that, like, we're so wishy-washy with God. 
God's so faithful with us. And it's amazing to me how, like, how, how like, um, on a wave I am with him. It's like, I really think God is big when he does what I want him to do. And I really think he doesn't exist when he doesn't. And um, I was watching, I was reading this thing about how, like, we are with miracles with God. Because, like, sometimes if, if you go through life and you have something really big and an issue that you, you had with God and, and you asked him to intervene and he didn't intervene, it makes you less likely to actually ask for God to be, do a miracle in the next time. You, you start to learn stuff. Um, there was an interesting uh, story I read. I'll read it for you about um, a psychologist in 1911 named Edward Cleoparde. And he said... He's treating a 47-year-old patient with no, short-term, with, it, with no short-term memory. And so at the beginning of every appointment, they would shake hands. And then one day, he decided to perform a little experiment. And when his patient reached out her hand, he had a pin concealed inside of his hand, and he poked her with it. She quickly withdrew her hand in pain. And a few minutes later, she had no memory of the pinprick. Because remember, she, she suffered from, she didn't have short-term memory. But from that moment on, she would never shake hands with him. She wasn't sure why. But she felt like she couldn't completely trust him. And they said this in the, stu- in the study. The, quote, residue of pain kept her from reaching her hand out. And this is how we are with God and miracles. It's because I know how it is in here. They say, just a mention of miracles, and some of you are like, oh, please. Oh, please. You don't understand. You don't know my life. Maybe he did it for you, but he didn't do it for me. And so every time I've tried to shake God's hand, it's been poked. He didn't do what I asked him to do. And so when you, when you hear a series called Miracles, you're like, can we get on to the next thing? And your faith is at a level because God didn't answer before. But the interesting thing about God is that if you just get past the residue of pain. Like, if you just, I don't need you to have faith for God to do the miracle yet. I just need you to have faith that God can do a miracle. So I'm not asking you to believe in all the things in the Bible. I'm just asking you to entertain the idea that Jesus might have lived. And if he might have lived, then he might have done some of the things he said he did. And if he might have did some of the things he said he did, then guess what? Then he might actually be able to do something for you in your life. And that's what you and I want at the end of the day. We want some faith to be built up. So I'm just saying let's get past the residue of pain and maybe we can learn something. Amen? All right, four lessons real quick. I'm going to give you four lessons in the time we have left for, for the, this what we call this. Last week's was called the multiplication miracle. This week we're going to call it the molecular miracle because he moved water into wine. And some of y'all like that wine. You'd be like, this is my favorite miracle. We're going to read about it today. So number one, lesson from the couple. Number one, lesson from the couple. We're going to learn that. Four lessons of the multiple. This is the lesson from the couple. This is the lesson. This is, this is it. Always invite God into your moments. I like what it says, John chapter 2. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And then it said, Jesus and his disciples were also invited into the celebration. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus actually goes to the wedding. If you knew your time on earth was three years, like in your ministry time was going to be three years. Jesus lived 33 years. He had a 30-year ministry, so he started when he was 30. So if, he start, if you have a truncated timeline, how many of y'all know like, you don't waste time? And these people invite Jesus and the disciples to the wedding, and he goes to it. And I've just noticed in my life, um, it's really easy not to invite God into things. Like, it's really easy for me to feel like I can handle it, and I can do it, or believe that God can't do it, or think that, like, I can be a Christian. I'm I'm a really good Christian at church. 
But in, in my job, now nah, God, God, God's, God's not welcome in my job. And so I don't invite him into that situation. So if I'm not inviting him into that situation, he don't show up. But I've just noticed you can't have a miracle without the God of the miracle. So, so if it's easy to live life without God, I got to be careful that I always that, that I'm always be cognizant that I, I need to I need to actually invite him in. It's amazing to me how we live a compartmentalized Christianity, and how like you're a really good Christian at church and at Bible study and with your family and your friends who know God, but then when you get outside of the circle of Christian friends, you become a different person. Anybody else other than me? And so what, what, what happens is, is if you don't invite God into those moments, you have to, you get, like, I always try to ask, well, what are you like at other times? Like, what are you like when you have, like, uh, the girls' night out? What about the guy night when you, you out with your boys and you be partying? Because at church, you're like, yeah, one drink is okay, but when I'm not at church and I'm plastered, then it's, but I'm not at church because God's not here. And I'm not a Christian there because I didn't invite him into this party. And I wonder if your miracle moments are being missed because you missed out on having God. I just wonder how long I'm going to have to deal with me being one way this way and another way at another time. Is it just me? I just got convicted by the first point already. Where I just, God, why can't I just be who I know I need to be at all times? And I'm, I'm like a, God, you can come into my house. You know, if you can use anything, Lord. You can use me, except on Friday night or Saturday night. Or Sunday morning when I'm tired and I can't come to church. Sorry. But any other time after that, or when I want to go on vacation, or when the lake house is open, or when I need to go. To, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Or, what, you know, when, when I have something better to do. I, come on. At some point, I just wonder how much am I going to be convicted eventually where I'm just like, can I just be who I'm supposed to be? And the more we keep God out of things the less godly things are. And God will come into any moments you invite him into. I mean, it's amazing God shows up. In fact, Revelation talks about this. That this is kind of the character of God. This is a scripture on the character of God. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and, and opens the door, then I will come in. But did you notice that Jesus doesn't say, he goes, he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to bust the door down into your life. And I'm going to force my way into your life and make you believe me, and make me be a part of your life. He, he don't do that. He's got to be invited in. And so every moment of your life, my, my, my thing would be is, you, you better invite Jesus. I mean, the fact that he shows up, you know what it really tells me? To a wedding. I mean, you would think he has other more important things to do, right? Right? It's Jesus. He shows up to a wedding. It just means I think he cares about big things and small things. Big or small, he cares about it all. To run out of wine would have been a... I guess comparatively to healing blind eyes, it was a small deal. But he still did it. And if it matters to you, 
It matters to God. But here's the key. Here's the lesson from the couple. You got to invite God into it. So just where in your life? The question would be is where in life, in your life, do you not really invite God into? Where, where is it? Number two, number two, lesson from the servants. This is the lesson from the servants. That was the lesson from the couple. Here's the lesson from the servants. Um, follow the instructions. Follow the instructions. John chapter two says, but his mother told his servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Like just pay attention. Follow the instructions. Come on, somebody. Right? Understand the assignment. Number six, standing nearby were six stones of water through Jewish ceremonial washing, and each could hold 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars have been filled, he said, now dip some out and take some to the master of ceremonies. And so the servants followed his instructions. I think at the end of the day, it's hard to ask a miracle from the God that you don't follow. Like, how do you ask a miracle from someone you don't listen to? Luke chapter 6 has this moment where Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's actually preaching the great sermon on the mount. And he says this great statement. He says, why do you call me Lord? But you don't do anything I tell you to do. It's kind of like I have some conversations with some people who try to come and get. This is why I don't do counseling. Can I be honest? Can I tell the truth? Shame the devil. I've been here. Because some of y'all like just none of y'all other churches. Some of other churches, they be coming in, and Pastor Jason, you know this because we do counseling. And so people stand up, and they be like, here's my problem. I'll be like, okay, we'll do this, this, and this. And then they come back the next time, and they be like, here's my problem. And I go, well, did you do this, this, and this? And they're like, no, no, we don't do that. And I'm like, so this is going to be the last time we meet. Because you just want a conversation. You don't want help. You want change. You don't want, you don't want, you don't want change. You just want to talk about it. You want to talk about why things are always wrong and why you always the victim and why you, everything is just wish you wish you wish you wish you wish. And if you wished, if you wish, we all has the wish, wish, we just need to keep wishing. And I got to be honest with you. I would like to have less conversation in my life. I have five children, one wife. I got enough talking. Why do you call me Lord? Well, you don't do what I ask you to do. I asked my kids the other day to clean their rooms. Miraculously, they, they didn't do it. <laughs> I said, I said, did you clean your room? They said, no. But hey, can we get some ice cream? I was like, is this thing on? Did you clean your room? They're like, no. But thy fathereth, if you feeleth goodeth, by your goodest greatest, can we have some ice cream? No. I, I just wonder how often we do that with God. Not. Maybe your neighbor, elbow somebody. I wonder how often they do that with God, where they say, God, I need a miracle. Help me, but you didn't fill the jars with water. I just, I, I wonder if obedience could be the foundation of a lot of the miracles that are in your life. Come on. 
I just wonder, I know we don't like to do it because all the obedience things that God asks us to do, you know what they all are? Hard. They're all the opposite of what I, but I mean, if you look at all throughout, like, look at, go look at all the, like, I'll just, like, all the little miracles that Jesus did. He's like, fill the jars, uh, get out of the boat, uh, Lazarus come out, like, you got to sit down. There's some things that Jesus, remember I told you last week, sometimes God invites you and I into the miracle moment, and because sometimes we go, no, 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 you do it. No, no, you do it, you do it, you do it. And then we, we sit there, and then we get mad at God, and God's saying, like, I, just follow the instructions. Just follow the instructions. Just fill the jars. Fill the jars. The wine came from the jar filling up. Like the wine came from, he said, go fill the jars. And the mama, she, she always, moms know. Moms know. You got to listen to your mom. Because the mom said, hey, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And the reason we don't do it is because it's the harder way. It's the truth. And so you want a miracle in your dating, but you don't honor God with your body. It's not that God can't do it, but he's a God of principle. He, he, he works on a principle. You want God to bless your finance. You want a miracle in your finance, but you don't honor God with your money. Mm. Mm. That's hard. That's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, fill the water. Fill, fill the jars. You, you want a miracle with your boss because he's crazy, but you don't honor God with your work. Hmm. Hmm. You come in late, and you leave early, and you cut corners, and you blame everyone else, but you want a miracle in your... Do you see? It's not that God can't do it. God can do anything, but why, why, why would God give you something without allowing you to experience a faith step in the process? You know, it took, could you imagine being the guys who had to go fill up the water jars? That'd have been like you asking me, hey, pastor, could you, you know, can I get some Chick-fil-A? And me saying to you, okay, uh, you know, can you uh, go give me a couple boxes of nails over there? Just, just go ahead and give me a box of nails. And you're like, but, but I asked you for Chick-fil-A. You see what I'm saying? It was opposite. He's like, Jesus, we need wine. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Go use the ceremonial hand-washing jars that you don't drink out of and fill it with water. Jesus, you didn't hear me. You got some sand up in your ear. Everybody cut your hair. Like, you got to listen. Like, we need, we need wine. Can't be water up in Even if you want, me, you want us to drink water. You see what I'm saying? You see how we wrestle with God sometimes? And I think sometimes in the miracle moment we ask God for, you were like, we're like, God, we want this or we want this. And then God says, okay, well, then you have to do this, this. And you're like, no, you're not paying attention. I just wonder if, if what your miracle you're asking for is actually found through an obedience in a really hard thing. You know, and so you might be like, hey, I need a, I need like a, mar- a marriage miracle. But like, and God's like, okay, then show up to church and serve and be right and find a family and find a circle and find some spiritual family. And you're still asking God for a miracle in your family and you're not doing any of those. Things. You see what I'm saying? I just think there might be other angles that God see. Maybe God knows more than you and I. It's just a thought. And I will say this, that most things that God has asked me in my miracle moments have been a grind. They've been a sacrificial they're tough. They're hard. Um, 
the good news is, is that if you're in the filling jar stage, and some of, most of us are with God, so there's a stage where there's the need, there's the miracle, and then there's that step in the moment where you're filling the jars. Is anybody feel like right now with me, is anybody with me in that season where you're, you feel like you're filling jars of water and have nothing to do with the miracle that you want? to see accomplished. Anybody else? Anybody else? One, okay, I got one, two, three, anybody, four, five. Okay, so the five people in here that I feel like they're in that stage, here's what you do. You keep grinding. You keep filling. They said they had to fill up all those jars, like six. It wasn't one, so they're like, they're filling up one water jar, and people are looking at them like, you crazy. And they're like, yeah, but Jesus told us. Follow the instructions. And, um, and it wasn't easy, and it never is to do the right thing. It just never is. Um, I, I, one of my favorite movies is uh, called A League, of the, a League of Their Own with Tom Hanks, and it's about like, a bunch of lady ball players and, uh, for baseball. And uh, he has this moment with the main character, and she said, I couldn't do it anymore. It's just too hard. She was talking about the right thing. So I couldn't do it the right thing anymore. It's just too hard. And he looks at her and he goes, it's supposed to be hard. He, and then my favorite part, favorite part, he goes, he goes, it's the hard that makes it great. And, and in your life, in your life, I'm just telling you, if it feels hard, it's supposed to be hard. Come on. It's supposed, you're doing the right thing. If it feels hard right now, you're, I, I'm excited for you because you're doing the right thing. You're filling the jars. Don't stop. It's supposed to be, it's what, it's the hard that makes it great because if it was easy, Everybody be doing it. It's the hard that makes it great. So I just, can I have one request for all the Christians out there? Will you please stop complaining on Facebook about how life is hard? I, I get it. I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm really not. I'm really not. You're believing God for a miracle. There's some things you really, really need. But can I just tell you, stop acting like you don't have a God that you serve, that can do the miracle when, 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 when you do, when you, when you do. Because people I know who I talk to who don't know God, like I have a lot of friends who don't know God, and they're like, why would I ever be a Christian? Because all y'all sound like me. So what's the difference? Because I don't believe in the God that you say can do miracles, and I'm stressed out. You sound like and look worse than I do. So what's the point? You see? So, so in your grind moment and when it's hard, I'm just saying it's not going to get easier. You and I are going to have to get stronger. And considering the last 2,000 plus years of Christendom, I think we're doing okay as Christians. Last time I checked, you're not being martyred or killed for your faith. So I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm just trying to bring a little perspective. Yeah. So we can look up to God and say, no, no, I do believe you can do what you said you can do, and you are who you say you are. I just, I just thought I just did a little bit of, mm, let's follow the instructions. Come on. It's supposed to be hard. Amen? Number three. I'm not even number two. You probably didn't like that one. Number three, lesson from the master of ceremonies. He says miracles don't often, uh, this is interesting. Miracles often happen without our knowledge. Like it says, when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that there was now wine, not knowing where it had came from, Though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. God performed some of his best miracles in our lives without us knowing. I was teaching Judah how to ride a bike, my little eight-year-old. He's eight, right? Yeah, he's eight. Yeah, he's eight. I got five of them. 
So he's, he's uh, a couple years ago, I'm teaching him how to ride a bike, and uh, he goes, I'm not going to ride without you holding the bike. I said, okay, no problem. So I'm running around like a dad, you know, on the street. I'm like, And uh, he's riding great because dad's holding him. And so he goes, okay, I got it. So I let it go, and he falls over, cries, get up. You're going to be all right. Rub dirt on it. It's okay. <laughs> so he gets back up on the bike, and he goes, um, I don't want to ride it anymore. I said, no, no, you're going to ride it again. It is, this, this is a lesson of bike riding, right? Y'all know. Like, once you let them off and they get hurt, that's it. They never going to get back on. I said, no, we're going to do it again. So we get back on, so we start pushing. And uh, he starts to get confidence. He's, like, confident again, you know. And uh, he goes, Dad, don't, don't, I, don't need you to, I don't need you to hold it. I said, okay, no problem. I said, I'm not going to let it hold it. So he looks back, and I take my hand off it. He looks back and goes, okay, I'm right. And I just kept running. I'm going to just run next to you. I'm going to just run next to you. And he, he eventually, he keeps looking back. And every time he looks back, my hand's off of it. But every time he started to fall, I kind of pushed him. You know what I'm talking about? Just kind of keep him straight. And he started to lean, and I go, he looked back and he goes, are you touching? I go, no. You're doing great. He leaned and I push it again a little bit. Just keep it, just keeping him up. Just keeping him up. I'm just keeping him up. And what's funny is he thought he was riding the bike all by himself. But he didn't know dad was just back there going, well, I got you. I got you. Are you doing good? And I think God's like that with us sometimes. He lets you, he lets you and I think we're that good. He, you thought you got to that job because you were good. Come on. Come on. <laughs> you, thought, you, thought you, got, you thought you got that girl because you were good looking and you had a great personality. Homie, that ain't it. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think sometimes we don't recognize all the miracles God do for us because he does them when nobody's paying attention and nobody's looking. Just a couple of cool thoughts. In our universe, planet Earth is spinning around at its axis about 1,000 miles an hour. We're moving through space at an average velocity of 67,000 miles an hour. Every day, even if you weren't doing much, you traveled 1.599 million miles through space. In your body, trillions of chemicals reactions are taking place in your body every second, every day. Inhaling oxygen, metabolizing energy, managing equilibrium, manufacturing hormones, fighting antigens, filtering stimuli, mending tissue, purifying toxins, digesting food, circulating blood, all without you even having to think about it. So I just, you, some of you would argue and be like, I've never had a miracle happen in my life. I would argue with you, you've never not had a miracle happen in your life. So I'm just saying, sometimes it's God, it's like God is doing all these cool little things behind you, and it's our perspective not recognizing the miraculous. Could it be that you've made the, nor- the, the miraculous now normal? And you've fallen into the trap of familiarity where it is treating something unique as normal. What used to be a miracle to you is now commonplace. And the way that you know is how you look at it and how you treat it. And so it could be that you used to remember. Do you remember when you first got married and you thought like you had hit the lottery? You're like, I thought I would never find nobody. No one's going to be for me. I guess I'm just going to be alone. My mom's going to be mad. No grandchildren. I'm done. And then he walked in like I did with my wife. That's not a joke, babe. <laughs> People are kind of like, really? That's what you're going to use as an example? 
But like, and it walked into your life, and then you, you, you felt like God really li- existed. Because they just completely changed your life. It's amazing to me how people treat church like that. How fast familiarity would jump into your life with church. I just happen to see it because I'm a pastor. And um, I'll see people who come in, and their like, lives are changed through the local church. Changed their life. They found spiritual family. God was there. It's amazing. Not a perfect church, but a church that loved God, taught the Bible. Walked in, lives changed, family changed, marriage changed, kids better, life better, better man, better wife, better, I mean, just everything good. And then, like, something happens, somebody talked bad about you in your small group, and now God doesn't exist. I'm like, I thought, I thought this place was a miracle. I thought God changed your life. I thought God it was, a, you see what I'm saying? And we treat, like, and then before you know it, you, were, you, were, you used to come show up early. Then you didn't show up early. You showed up on time. Then you showed up late. Then you come once a, every two weeks. Then it's once every three weeks. Then it's once every five weeks. Then it's once, a, we just check, catch it online. This is the convicting part. Just let it sink in. It's okay. We do that with everything. We do that with our marriage. She was amazing. And now she's normal. And now she's kind of okay. And now she's a burden. And the only reason that it is like that is because you see them every day. And you, you and I look at what was a miracle and unique, and now it's normal and commonplace. And I think the lesson from the Master of Ceremonies is to go, remember... God's always doing a miracle in your life if you can see it. God's always doing a miracle in this church if you could see it. God can always do a miracle in your marriage if you could see it. God can always do a miracle inside of your kids. He's probably already doing one right now. You don't even know if you just recognize it. God's doing a miracle in your finances. You think you don't have enough, but you do. He's giving you just as much as you could. I mean, you think he's not doing a miracle in your job. He's doing it right now. He's sustaining things. He's, he's keeping things from happening. He's, he's, he's rebuking the devourer, the Bible talks about. He's doing stuff that you don't even see in the background where you all of a sudden wine shows up and you take credit for it. But it was really gone. I'm done. I'm closing with this last one. This is a lesson from Jesus. Maybe my favorite. And I'm done. Close. This is my close. Miracles are easy for Jesus. Miracles are easy for Jesus. So there's no scripture reference to this one. Want to know why? Because there's no scripture reference to when Jesus actually performed the miracle. You ever notice that? There's no time. He didn't walk over. He didn't touch the water. He didn't put something in it. He didn't bless it. He didn't go shake the jars. He didn't do anything. I mean, like, that's a miracle. He just thought water, wine. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's done. I mean, that's easy, right? And I looked at it, and I'm like, Man, you seem to, you know what people, you know what happens, you know what you call people when they, when they make things look easy? They specialize in it. They're specialists. And Jesus specializes in this thing called transformation. 
could change one thing and make it another. And he does it in two ways. Jesus transformed something that was lacking into abundance. Went from zero wine to 180 gallons of wine. And God loves to, this is what he, he, this is what he tells me. He loves to give you and I more than enough. More than what you even ask. And you know what's funny? Is um, silly prosperity preachers have stolen that and made you feel like I can't believe for that. Where they said something like to you, if you just send me $100, God's going to give you a million dollars. And they use that type of thinking where they say, you know, God's going to give you more than enough if you just send $100 right now into this television broadcast. And I'm not hating on any of those guys, but I'm just saying every once in a while you'll hear that the news will come out with something about it and it'll be negative and it make you and I believe that we can, it almost like Satan used that to steal that miracle from him. Just so you know, that ain't, that ain't Satan's to steal. That's God's to bless. And just because someone abused it doesn't make it wrong. And I believe in all my heart that God can and desires and wants you to be blessed, not just with what you ask, but more than you ask or think, because it's the Bible. So he specializes in transforming something that was lacking into abundance. I, I was talking to somebody about that. They, go, they, they said, yeah, I don't, want to, I don't follow this God because he just wants something from you. And I said, well, that's true. And he was taken back by that because he was waiting for me to say, God doesn't want anything from you. And I was like, no, that's, that's not biblical. God wants everything from you. God wants everything from you. He wants your guilt. He wants your pain, your frustration, your anxiety, and your depression. And here's what's crazy is he transforms it, the thing that was lacking, into abundance of joy and peace and hope and love and kindness. And yeah, he wants a lot from you. Because he wants a lot for you. Come on. The last thing he transforms, he specializes, transforms something into common that was common into something that was valuable. Water was common, wine was valuable. And value is determined by what somebody is willing to pay for it. And can I just tell you, if you look inside of the, all the scriptures and every one of the gospels, um, your life was so valuable and is so valuable that Jesus, God, died for it. So no one can tell you that you're not valuable because Jesus who created you died for you. He said, you're more valuable than, than life. So I'm going to die so that you can live. He determined your value. And Jesus specializes in transforming things from commonplace into something so valuable. So my question to you today is, as you look at the molecular miracle story, what are you believing God for? My hope is that you continue to do it. Because if you could turn water to wine, He can give you a miracle too.